Lord God, we thank you for your word made flesh and pray that it will dwell within us. As we encounter the story of faith, prepare our hearts and remove the distractions that surround us so that the words of my mouth and the inspiration of our hearts might be acceptable in your sight. Amen. You may be seated. Well, again, the merriest of Christmases to you. We hope these next few days will just be filled with all kinds of joy um, for you and your family. Last week, I walked, uh, I walked onto the front porch to discover a group of our daughter's friends who were catching up after their first semester of college. Yes, they were properly masked, and they were being respectful of each other's health. That's why they were on the front porch, even though it was 40 degrees at night. But that's not the point of the story, of course. They were catching up. They were reconnecting. They were swapping stories. They were laughing. They were remembering. They've been through a lot together, of course, and not just because of COVID. I mean, they've literally grown up together from awkward middle school years through the early days of high school when you're just trying to figure out who you are to a a senior year that was both frustrating and exhilarating all at the same time. When I stepped onto that front porch, it would have been easy to mistake them as the same group of kids that I saw just a few months earlier, but they're not. They've changed so much which is what happens when you're 18 years of age, of course. But truth be told, we've all changed, haven't we? I mean, we've, we've changed so much, especially since this time last year when we had no idea what the next few weeks or months uh, would bring. We've changed a lot. Last month, I wrote an article about some high school friends at my church in Columbia. It led one of them to send me an email. Uh, Laura Stoudemire was her name back in those days. I hadn't spoken to Laura in a long time, but it did bring a smile to my face whenever I saw her name on my, on my email list. You see, Laura and I grew up together, though we attended different schools and we had sort of different sets of friends that didn't matter. We saw each other every week at church and sometimes twice a week at church. We went to Lutheridge together every summer and since third grade, and most every Christmas Eve, we were the ones who helped with that gospel procession uh, every year, it seemed, either torchbearer, Bible-bearer, banner-bearer, crucifer, whatever it is, which means that I was in your shoes just a few uh, years ago, just a few years ago. <laughs> there were others, too, like Andy. Andy uh, was the fun one. Andy was a little bit wild, which is probably why we all like to hang out with Andy a little bit. And Joni, she had a legit shot at making the Olympic gymnastics team, or at least that's what we thought. And Brad, he was there too. His world soon would turn upside down when his mom died way too young of cancer, but not that night. That night it was all so calm and all so bright. And then there was Mitch. Mitch didn't show up very often, certainly not at church, and I'm not sure I ever met his parents. In fact, I'm pretty certain I never met his parents, but I knew his brother. Everybody did. He was a mess, drugs, uh, problems with school and the law. We just assumed Mitch would follow suit, sort of fall in line with his brother, which meant that we never really gave the guy a, a chance, even though most every Christmas Eve he was there. Somehow, he found a ride like he always had to do, just so that he could be a part of this ragtag group of kids carrying torches and banners on Christmas Eve. Joni, Mitch, Andy, Allison, Laura, and others. 
high school kids with so much life before us from such different backgrounds, the athlete, the popular kid in school, the prankster, the kid nobody seemed to like, but none of that mattered as we gathered around and heard the story that would literally change our lives. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord unto you. You know, this is not at all a profound statement, of course, but it's very true, nevertheless, that we all come from so many different backgrounds with many different stories that make up our lives. There are very... There are a few things that unite us, of course, like, well, we've, like, we've all experienced the year we'll never forget, right? <laughs> but even then, we certainly have our own uh, separate stories within that year, some that are good and some that are not good at all. So if I were to ask you tonight, why, why are you here? Why did you choose to come tonight? We'd all have different responses, lots of different responses. Some of you probably uh, are here, let's be honest, under duress maybe. You were brought here by a parent or a girlfriend or somebody, and you don't necessarily want to be here, but you're just hoping that I don't preach too long. I get that. No worries whatsoever. Some of you are here because this is a familiar place, uh, and it's at the end of a year that just seems also unfamiliar. And you came because, well, you knew that when you walked through these doors or when you turned on your computer that you would hear a story of stars and angels and shepherds and shepherd fields, a little town of Bethlehem. You knew that you'd hear beautiful Christmas carols. You knew that you would encounter a magnificent tree and poinsettia and candles. You knew all of that coming into worship tonight. And so that just makes this place almost feel like home. Some of you are here because, well, you need this service to mark the end of a year that you'd like to forget, and maybe even the beginning of a new year that you hope is filled with goodness and joy. I get that too. Years ago, my sister and I used to love searching through the used albums at Papa Jazz Used Record Store in Five Points. That's in Columbia, South Carolina. One album that I bought um, for $1, the sticker's still on the album. I still got the album to this day. Dan Fogelberg's Netherlands. It's released in 1977. I don't necessarily recommend the album. It's, it's a little bit cheesy, but nevertheless, he's a great writer, sort of a poet as it, as it turns out. And in the title song, he asks this question, what do you do when you come to the end of your dreams? And it strikes me that some of you probably feel that way too, especially if you've dealt with tragedy or, or death or crisis of some form or another this year, a year you never dreamed of. And so, if that's you, maybe you've come to church tonight so that you can turn the page to a brand new year. I get that. But before you do, before you turn that page I do want you to hear these very familiar but oh-so-important words. Unto you this day is born a Savior. It's interesting that those words, as familiar as they are, it's important that we remember that those words are first shared with, with, uh, with the shepherds by the angels who, who when they uh, confronted the shepherds, these shepherds, you remember, they were watching their flock by night. 
Now, keep in mind that when all of that is happening and when they're hearing these words for the first time, they have absolutely no concept whatsoever of Jesus. They don't know anything about parables or miracles or 12 disciples or 10 beatitudes or the golden rule of the Lord's Prayer, a crown of thorns, a cross, a tomb. They've never heard of what would later become known as Augustine or John Calvin or Martin Luther King. They would, they would never understand events like the destruction of Jerusalem or the Crusades or the Reformation, they, they can't even imagine the myriad of martyrs who would die because of him, nor the wars that were fought because of him. In that moment, when they were on the shepherd's fields that night, all they had was this, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. And they were curious enough, and, and friends, may we say thanks that they were curious enough. They were curious enough that they left their flocks and they ran into Bethlehem so that they could see for themselves. And what they discovered was that this baby, this Jesus, was born in a cave to a mom and a dad named Mary and Joseph, which means that the first thing they learned, these shepherds, the first thing they learned about this baby was that he was born into a family. Now, I don't know if you find that interesting, but I find it enormously interesting because what we discover actually is that it's a family that's far beyond just the, 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 the family of Mary and Joseph, right? Because if the angel's words are true, and certainly they are, then, then he was born unto you, which means by extension, unto you meant unto you shepherds also. You're part of the family. Oh, and what about the innkeeper? Absolutely. The other townsfolks of Bethlehem, they're part of the family too. And later on, the Magi and the townsfolks of Nazareth and Galilee of Capernaum and, and Jerusalem, and, and this family would also include fishermen like James and John. It would include a tax collector like Matthew, a woman like Mary Magdalene. It would include, oh, I don't know, that's just the beginning of who it's going to include. Don't you see? Jesus was born that night into a family, our family, the human family, a family that's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, it's a family that's faced its fair share of war and poverty and abuse and addiction, protests, riots, and that's just these last few months. <laughs> but it's a family nevertheless. It strikes me that if we were to take one of those big old family pictures tonight, it would probably look really cool and really great. You know, sort of like all those beautiful Christmas pictures that you've been taking in front of a tree or, or profile pictures that we post on social media where on the surface we all look just perfect like a beautiful array of diversity of smiles and of, and of joy but underneath or when you pull back the curtain of that picture, my goodness gracious, then we see the real family, right? The real unedited story of that family. Sort of like the magnet on our refrigerator that reads, remember, as far as everybody else is concerned, we are a nice, normal family. <laughs> if you hear nothing else today, I want you to hear this. The gospel is that Jesus was born into that family, our family, warts and all, and it was no accident. Last Monday night, um, we went and did what probably many of you did 
uh, to look at the Christmas star. Raise your hand if you looked at the Christmas star last Monday night. It was fantastic. It was wonderful. We went to an open field in western Rowan County to catch a glimpse of the Christmas star. That's actually when Jupiter and Saturn converge uh, and, and form the brightest light in the sky. It's the same convergence that astronomers tell us happened 2,000 years ago at the time of Jesus' birth, forming this bright light for all the world to see, a star that guided, so the story tells us, the Magi to the manger. Amazing. Now, the Magi, we're also told, are astronomers, but what they didn't know about the sky is what we have come to know through the years, that that star is actually, again, two planets, Jupiter and and Saturn, within our one galaxy, which is part of a universe that is actually filled with billions upon billions of galaxies, a universe, the known universe, that is 14 billion years old and 546 sextillion miles across from end to end. That's 546 with 21 zeros after it if you're counting, or let's just call it a billion times a billion times a thousand. For perspective, this is what that looks like. If we were to count to one million, one second at a time, one, two, three, it would take us 11 and a half days just to count to a million. To count to a billion would take you a thousand times longer than that. That would take 32 years. To work up to the size of 546 sextillion universe, we would need to count to 1 billion 1,000 times uh, what would take you 32,000 years, and you wouldn't even be done but because you would have to do the same thing over again a billion times. And just in case you're counting, <laughs> that, that would take you 32 trillion years, and that's just to reach one sextillion You'd have to do that another 545 times. All of that is simply to say that the sheer size of this universe is incomprehensible. And here's the point. The God of that universe chose to be born in that particular cave into our particular family unto you the angels proclaimed. Unto you and to me, they proclaimed, is born this day. Why? To give us hope for tomorrow and to to share life that is everlasting. Why? To remind us what it looks like to actually be the family of God. Sometimes we forget, right? A lot of times. A family that should be rooted in hope and peace, joy, forgiveness, and love rather than hate and jealousy and and anger and strife. You see, Christ is born this day unto you this night to save you and all of us from, from the power of sin that is so desperately trying to destroy us. Which is why you're here tonight, right? I mean, after all, isn't that why we're here? So friends, brothers and sisters all, gather around this manger from near and from far. It doesn't matter what you wear or even who you are, but only that, that God has invited you tonight to share with you gifts of grace as you look into the beauty, the loveliness of His holy face. Oh, my sisters and brothers, Merry Christmas to you. Amen.